value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation of any funds, services or products or to adopt any investment strategy. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the U.S. Lens. I'm Ron Insana. As financial markets, public markets in particular, are reeling under the pressure of higher interest rates, inflation, and even more, private markets may very well uh, pose an interesting set of opportunities for investors looking to move away from or diversify their holdings of various investments around the world. And joining me now to talk about that is Felix Hermes. He is the head of private equity and sustainable infrastructure investing at Blue Orchard, which is the impact investment component of Schroeder's Capital. Felix, thanks for being with us. Appreciate your taking the time today. Good morning, Ron. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we get into the investment theses that you operate off of, just first of you in mind, what is Blue Orchard? We are focused uh, predominantly on emerging and frontier markets. That's where our origin is. So over 20 years ago, we were the first uh, manager of a commercial microfinance fund and have uh, grown that field significantly. Are now the largest manager in the space, but are also operating private equity and uh, infrastructure strategies as well as bond strategies uh, in the impact space and also with a bias towards emerging and, and frontier markets. All right. Now, this is an area that may well be unfamiliar to a lot of investors. So when we think about private equity, particularly here in the United States, uh, we think about some of the big, biggest names in the business that get involved in massive buyouts of large companies and then typically uh, restructure those businesses and, and, and so on. What, what's the difference between what you do and what some of those larger entities engage in? Well, of course, we have a focus on, on impact and that has implications for the strategies uh, that we are investing. But overall, if you look at emerging markets and uh, private equity in emerging markets, it's more focused on, on growth equity uh, as opposed to buyouts and also strategies that tend to focus more on minority stakes as opposed to, to taking majorities or full ownership of, of companies. Now, in, in what I've seen with respect to Blue Orchard, there's a lot of discussion about financial inclusion. In the context of our conversation, what exactly does that mean? Yes, financial inclusion is really access to affordable and, and relevant financial solutions. So it's quite an established impact theme. Um, however, it continues to be to be important, really. Uh, so I think worldwide, there's still around 1.7 billion people unbanked, uh, the majority of which in emerging markets and the majority of, of which are women. Uh, they're still uh, funding as the, the largest constraints for SMEs in emerging and frontier markets and also in, in emerging frontier markets. SMEs are the, the growth driver, really, and, and the main employer of, of local um, populations. Uh, also on the insurance side, 50% of the world population does not have a single insurance contract. Only 10% of, of insurance premia have written in emerging and frontier markets, despite 80% of the population living there. So there are still the huge gaps in terms of financial inclusion for poor and vulnerable populations, uh, emerging consumers, but also businesses in emerging and frontier markets. And, and if anything, actually COVID-19 crisis has, has increased the need here, has exacerbated uh, poverty in many instances. And also here, uh, financial inclusion can, can help. Now, let me ask you about that, because, you know, not not to be completely glib or flippant about it, but I mean, some folks suggest that this problem could be solved in, in some ways very simply by just getting someone uh, a phone. I know that's not as simple as it sounds, but once you get a phone, a smartphone, you can access all those various, let's say, institutions, if you will, or, or financial services products if you have that. How difficult is that in solving that particular problem? 
Yeah, I, I do think that's a very good point. I think, I mean, technology overall has a very important role to play in financial inclusion. So I said it's really affordability and, and access and, and quality of financial solutions in all of these dimensions can be addressed by technology. So affordability in terms of cost structure and delivery of the products, which also, of course, is access, but then also, if you like, uh, use of, of data and, and new technologies to really make financial solutions more relevant also on, on the insurance side. So I think technology is tremendously important and beyond actually providing access and but yeah i think what you're saying is also a good segue or would be a good segue to other impact topics like infrastructure and telco infrastructure so it all really goes yeah. hand in hand now we in the united states just passed a, a reasonably large infrastructure bill maybe one of the largest in 40 years china of course has provided uh financing for some infrastructure in some frontier markets uh, not without strings even despite what's been said when you look at infrastructure in emerging markets or what we used to call the developing world where do the opportunity sets reside well, I think, I mean, generally on, on infrastructure, it, there's a tremendous need in emerging in, in, in frontier markets. And I think any, anyone that has ever traveled uh, to, to countries in, in, in that region, in those regions, uh, knows that. And I think that, of course, has implications also for economic development, social development. So it's estimated that about uh, four uh, three quarters of, of the SDG funding gap is actually an infrastructure uh, funding gap. And of course, from a climate perspective uh, as well, if you want to do uh, climate mitigation, invest in climate mitigation, emerging frontier markets, it's really um, uh, an infrastructure topic uh, by and large. And uh, also bearing in mind that uh, going forward, I think above 90% of population growth worldwide will happen in emerging and frontier markets. And also over 90% of growth and energy consumption will be in emerging and frontier markets. There's a tremendous case uh, for infrastructure investment uh, from an impact angle, certainly. How do you approach that then? Well, we, we operate strategies in that field. And again, as an impact investment manager, you're looking to be additional uh, to, to other offerings in the market. So we do feel that there's a, a, a gap in, in funding for more mid-sized projects. Uh, and also, um, if you look at, at instruments, um, I think yeah, mezzanine funding, funding during construction phase. Um, and, and so here, I think there are a couple of, of, of good uh, developers and, and platforms uh, that really um, can grow uh, if they are provided with the right instruments um, on the funding side, be it equity or debt. So I think, I mean, there's a broad range of viable strategies in the space. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, you're listening to the Investor Download. So we've not necessarily in the West been trained to view private equity as a vehicle uh, to deliver impact. Um, how does that work relative to, let's say, activist investors with publicly traded entities? So how does impact work in, in emerging markets and private equity? Or Yes, both, please. So I think from a, a private equity is really an asset class that um, allows the investment manager to, to be additional. Again, it's an important concept in, in, in impact investing. Um, how additional are you as a manager? What value do you really bring to achieving the impact? And of course, on the private equity side, uh, you get to work very closely with the company that you, you invest in. Uh, through value creation, uh, generally uh, taking board seats, working with the company on the strategy, setting up the governance, uh, setting up operations, um, but working on the financial efficiency side. So you really get to, uh, to work closely with the firms, which of course is generally for, for value creation, very important, which is of course an important return driver in private equity, but also from an impact perspective. So I think if you, as an impact investment manager, it also really gives you the opportunity to work uh, on the relevant impact theme. So uh, defining the product strategy um, towards viable, inclusive um, uh, products, 
looking at the distribution of those products, the cost structure of those products. So I think you can really work very closely uh, with the firms um, on the impact. All right, let me ask you about risks in uh, emerging market private equity. I mean, certainly here in the United States, as we look through, as, as we like to say it here, U.S. lens, um, emerging markets tend to do well when the Federal Reserve is not raising interest rates, when it's easing, mm. when the dollar is falling rather than rising. Both those things are, are, are not happening right now. Um, and, and so from a U.S. perspective, are there similar risks in EM private equity or is it because it's a different asset class, because there's a different time horizon, is it less sensitive to the issues that I mentioned? Well, I think if you look at the the market currently, I think risk aversion has, has certainly de- de- increased, right? Um, also with, with respect to emerging and, and frontier markets. Um, but I do think... Um, uh, risks also, of course, always bring bring opportunities. So I think overall, I think uh, emerging and frontier markets are perceived as risky, uh, but I think the the risks are largely also a different uh, different nature. If uh, I think they are very well run companies in emerging and frontier markets that have you know decades of experience in in managing the uh, the risks that are specific to those regions, big interest rate increases or other um, uh, political risk, macro risks, and so on. So that are very adept at at managing those risks. Um, also then for, if you like, an investment manager uh, like, like ourselves, I think the part of the value that we bring is, of course, in then understanding uh, the markets more specifically, the business models uh, more specifically uh, to help us manage those risks. Because, I mean, if you talk about emerging markets and in frontier markets, we roughly talk around uh, about 150 uh, countries. So the impact of, of uh, increasing resource prices, for example, is very different from country to country and equally on, on the interest rate side. So I think it's really there's value in understanding those markets well to navigate those risks, finding the right companies that themselves are able to navigate the risks in the market specifically, and thereby also, if you like, earn a, a complexity premium. So it's really also very much, I think, about the, the experience of, of the firms, but also of, of the investment manager. And on the other hand of, of, of the risks, I would also really want to say that there's, of course, strong opportunity in, in uh, emerging markets and frontier markets. And we believe in, in financial inclusion in, in particular on the impact side, but also looking at the financial side of things. So on, at, in Blue Orchard, we are currently invested in around uh, 200 uh, companies. So we have 200 companies which we have over, over 10 years of data. So we recently published a white paper looking at uh, the data and we found that the top quartile institutions really have grown uh, consistently um, very strongly, much stronger, by the way, than the listed uh, financial sector in emerging and frontier markets. And uh, they've been growing in a very profitable way. So with ROEs that on average for the top quarter at least are solidly in the in the 20% range and also uh, consistently throughout the COVID crisis. So there are good businesses out there. There's opportunity out there. And also in particular in private markets, because the companies that are active in financial inclusion uh, tend to not be listed uh, companies mm-hmm. and here then therefore also uh, if you like that's where the growth is in, in in financial inclusion by addressing really unserved population unserved businesses as opposed to say the more uh, established and mature uh, sectors in emerging and frontier markets yeah you led me right into my next question which is you know we, we tend to look at emerging markets as, as a monolithic asset class and it sounds like that is not the way uh, you approach investing either in emerging or frontier markets that uh, you're far more selective and, and maybe even more active uh, than uh, those who typically sell emerging market product. 
Yeah, yeah, I think you have to be. I think you have to be selective at a, at a country level, also, of course, also at the level of the company that you invest in. I do think what is also very important is to to uh, define the the strategies right, because I think uh, if if you define a strategy, um, that already entails a lot of um, uh, risks that you um, well def defines how you can manage the risk, and some uh, some risks are really just inherent also to to a investment strategy. So to which extent can you diversify across countries? Um, are you focusing on sectors that are, if you like, a bit safer, potentially safe, uh, sectors that might be regulated, et cetera, et cetera. So I think um, it's it's really a layer of, of risk management tools and, and being selective. And a final question, uh, Blue Orchard's history in emerging market financial inclusion. How did that all start? So Blue Orchard was founded over 20 years ago and really with a focus of bringing uh, commercial funding to microfinance. Microfinance at the time was a big topic amongst the Millennium Development Goals, the predecessor of the Sustainable Development Goals. So they set out to bring commercial funding to that sector and they've done that quite successfully. So over the last uh, decades, the company has grown quite well. Uh, so overall, we invested in over 90 countries and have since our foundation deployed more than 9 billion. In, in those markets, uh, 1.5 billion alone in, in, in last year. That has really also given us, a, if you like, a unique network and invisibility of financial in inclusion uh, and the sector, the investment opportunities. And with many institutions, we have, have decades of, of relationships, of course. And uh, I think in terms of impact, last year, uh, our firm reached around uh, 230 million people uh, worldwide. All right, well, Felix, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for spending time with us today. Thanks, Ron. Felix Hermes is head of private equity and sustainable infrastructure investing at Blue Orchard, which is part of the impact investment division of Schroeder's Capital. I'm Ron Ansana. This has been the U.S. Lens. Hope you enjoy your day and your week, and we'll talk to you again soon. Well, that was the show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, check out our website, schroeders.com forward slash the investor download. You can also get in contact with us about anything in the show or ideas for future shows at Schroeder's Podcast at Schroeder's.com. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. We're now doing one show a week, which will be available every Thursday from 5pm UK time. Thanks very much for listening, but above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers.